Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb Savant, I'll be speaking to three-piece rock band from Glasgow, Scotland, and Colleen. 2023 saw the release of the second Ancolane album, Call This a Reality. Garnering an abundant number of glowing reviews, the album immediately entered the top 10 official UK rock and metal albums chart, scoring the band back-to-back top 10 placements following their debut album, Casino. Notably in the official UK albums chart, Call This a Reality was number 3 in the Record Store chart, number 9 in the Scottish chart, and number 21 in the Independence chart. Anchor Lane have built a reputation as a thrilling and dynamic live act through several successful UK tours and appearances at numerous prominent music festivals. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Connor, Lawrence and Graham from Anchor Lane. Guys, how are you doing? Where do we find you in the world and what's happening in your life? Hello. Uh, yeah, we're all good. We're, uh, we're in Glasgow, Scotland in our studio right now. Why the name Anchor Lane? Well, that's going back a while. Um, so when the band first started, we were rehearsing in a studio called Lo-Fi Studios, um, which is just outside of the city centre, George Square in Glasgow. And just off of George Square, there's a wee, a wee lane um, called Anchor Lane. And so that's that's where we decided to name it. That's, um, that's the lane that the studio was on. So it just became a sort of like, oh, well, that's where we rehearsed. That's where we're from. It was based in Glasgow kind of thing. So it was just you know, sort of staying true to your roots and keeping yourself grounded, I suppose, I Now, we're going to do a rewind and then focus on the new stuff. So let's start from the very, very beginning. How did you guys meet? How did each of you realize you wanted to be in the musical industry? And let's start at the very beginning of your guys uh, joining as a band. The band was started by me. It's Connor speaking, just for, for anyone uh, needing to know. The band was started by myself in college. Um, and it was just sort of like, uh, you know, bringing people in um, who were, were good players, who were interested in playing a similar kind of music. And as things go with, with bands when they're in their early stages, people come in, people come out. And now we find ourselves where we are now, where I met Lawrence at the same college that I was in. Um, he was in the year above me and Lawrence was sort of known as the uh, the kind of like mythical, oh, like Lawrence O'Brien, Lawrence O'Brien, he's this amazing guitar player. And we were lucky enough to to bring him into the band in 2017? 18. 2018. Also, you're, you're being very nice, it's unlike you. I've got to be, you know, I've got to try and promote the, the band. Like, you know what I mean? I've got to try and promote things here. Yes. <laughs> Poetic license. Yeah. And then, so we came through the lockdown, released released an album just before the lockdown in 2020, and then came out the other end of the lockdown. Our drummer at the time left, and we were looking for a new drummer, and it was a pretty quick decision to ask Graham, who's with us now, mm-hmm. um, to ask him to come in. He's, he's a great drummer, um, and he was someone that we got along with really well uh, as people, and that's, that's a really important thing as well. When you're going to be spending a lot of time together, it's, you know, if you can get someone in who's easy to get along with and are a great player, um, it's a very, very rare thing. Um, so we were very fortunate to, to be able to do that. Your creative process from zero to creating a three to four, five minute song, music, instrumentation, lyrics, 
What is that creative process for you guys? Uh, so the process with the new album, Call This A Reality, which is coming out on January the 27th, mm-hmm. um, the process was a wee bit different for this one as, as the other ones. Uh, this is Lawrence speaking now, the guitarist. They mainly started as my ideas with the guitar and the vocals, and then I'd send them in. And if everyone was like, yes, this resonates with me, I want to work on this, we'd work on it. And then we'd just bounce it off each other until we were all happy with it. And uh, sometimes this was like quite a, a short process where the song only had a few weeks until we were going to the studio, or sometimes it was quite a long process of even as much as like nine months a year where the song evolved quite a lot. And, you know, the, the it, by the time that they were done, there was barely, you know, there was only a few parts that uh, were recognizable from the original source, from the original uh, idea that was sent in. And uh, it's really, it's really nice because we all have a lot of music in common that we 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 like. We talk together a lot, so we mm. know what resonates lyrically as well. And so it's just, it, it was a nice environment to be honest, because uh, when I was writing these ideas, I, I knew that, you know, it was going to be Connor singing them, it was going to be Graham playing the drums, and we're all going to have a great time just putting it together. So, you know, that, that was really inspiring and encouraging when we were writing these songs. So you mentioned some of the songs took a little bit longer, like a few months to get to the finished product. When those specific songs were taking that amount of time, was it ever a frustration or was it like, okay, we're just going to keep going until we get what we've got? It's kind of a bit of both at times, wasn't it? It depended on the song. I mean, it, it was mostly a kind of let's just keep going until we've got this because there's definitely something there. I think mm-hmm. we were quite good at kind of getting rid of the the stuff that we didn't like pretty early on. There was maybe a few that kind of maybe went on longer than they should have, but we were pretty good at cutting off the... Um, the dead weight um, but there was a few where you knew there was one song on the album called Sycophant Disorder and we just knew it, it was going to be something big but we couldn't quite get it we just couldn't quite get there and we would come up with good ideas you know that maybe maybe other bands would be happy with but we just kind of we knew there was something else there you know this has to be yeah complete this isn't quite there and there also came a, a point in time where January our bass player who was helping us write some of the album had left the band and that actually kind of freed us up with some ideas because the three of us actually have a lot of of common ideas and common interests and from there we ended up getting these pieces of the songs that were maybe kind of missing before the three of us hit a stride and managed to to find the kind of the right creativity and the right moment for these songs to actually shine and that's I think when we kicked on so some of them took a while and it just took a little breakthrough or something happening within the band or you know, someone had a little idea and that then broke through the door of, of finally getting the song together. Your lyrics that you guys write for the songs, what inspires them? Is it a personal experiences, what's happening in the world, combination of both? Uh, yeah, so the with the lyrics with us, we wanted to write something that represented us and something that was quite honest uh, and explores quite a lot of different things, you know, with happiness, sadness, um, the, the blues of everyday life, although not blues enough. 12 bar sense blues and our, you know, the, the, the sad stuff. <clears throat> and the thing is that it was through the conversations with each other that we managed to find something that we would all be represented by. Like if I went away and wrote a song, but it was about hell and sounded like Slayer, it wouldn't really represent the other guys in the band. Or if Connor wrote a song and it sounded like all his U2 influences, me and Graham would probably turn our noses up at it. <laughs> so yeah. uh, what I'm saying is lyrically it was a lot about the conversations that we had together that when I was personally going to you know start the songs I knew what would react well with with everyone and that really helped 
Yeah, I yeah. think the thing for us is that we're like each other's agony ants. So we just, <laughs> we just like come in, we just like come in on a Tuesday and it's like, right, this is what's happening, and I'm annoyed about this and blah blah, and he's doing that. Blah. And you know, as much as that's a kind of like therapy at the time, it obviously creates a a sort of a brotherhood between between the three of us, but also a, a sort of like here's common ground where we all sit. Here's things that we're all struggling with and we're all fighting. Not even just us; everyone's struggling with like life right now isn't isn't easy like it's hard for a lot of people and a lot mm-hmm. of people are really hurting right now especially in, in the uk and, and we wanted to represent that in this album we wanted to show you know this is how things are this is how we're experiencing you know the world right now you know up in glasgow in scotland and in the, in the uk previously we had and i'm very grateful i don't know if you guys know this but the uh, in 2022 vinyls had the biggest sales they've had in the UK specifically, bigger since 1990. There were 5.5 million uh, copies sold. So I'm speaking of a physical being cassettes, CDs, vinyls, all like I'm saying, all of those are making a, a comeback. Because I love me a CD. I love <laughs> opening the booklet, seeing the thank yous, the lyrics, the art, all those type of things. And now a lot of these days, a lot of people are uh, obviously consuming music on the digital platforms what is your perception of the digital platforms and the way people are currently consuming music? It's a good question. Yeah, it's um, it's hard because y- you can get some some artists, and I understand them, will come at it from a bit of a combative point of view, and you know this is bad for the industry, and I, I get that. Um, but we we all consume music digit digitally as well, so it would be a bit hypocritical to sit here and say that it's bad for the industry. It also gets your music. It's very easy to get your music out there now. With streaming, that that is a, a positive of it. You can just about well, anyone really can can put music online, mm-hmm. you know, in an instant. Um, it obviously has a, a, a lot of downfalls. We're we're like yourself. We like having a physical product that we can look through, and it's why we've taken a lot of time with the new album and making a you know a really nice product that people can sit with and read through the lyrics and you know look look at the artwork and and see the kind of journey that we've been on. So we do prefer the the digital ever. Uh, the physical side ourselves it's a balance it's strange as an artist you've you've just kind of got to accept it and, and roll with it you know industries change every industry yeah. changes you know if you if you get a call center job six months in you're you're doing twice the work you did when you started you know you're always asked to do more than you thought mm. and it's the same in this industry you're going to have to do things that you didn't necessarily think you would have to do and pushing your stuff digitally and kind of surrendering a little bit to that online entity is is kind of part of the sacrifice we need to make as a band it's it's harsh because it's really harsh financially on musicians very harsh Mm. and hopefully that'll start to to improve we don't know but at the end of the day you've just kind of got to to look at what it can do for you um, and move on from there because the industry's it's not going to change just because you don't like it basically i mean it's the the whole kind of like you know you move you move with the times or you get left behind Ideally, would we like that everyone bought albums and bought vinyls and bought, you know, everything physical? Yeah, it makes us more money. <laughs> but um, that's not reality right now. And reality is convenience. Um, so it's about how do you how do you get your music out to people and make it a convenient way for them to consume it? So whether that be on Spotify or whether it be, you know, when we were on tour, we had a QR code that could, people could pre-order our album from the merch desk kind of thing. And then you've got different options for people. We've got there's a digital download for the album. You can pre-save it on Spotify. You can buy a, a CD. You can buy a vinyl. There's a lot of options there for people. And I think that's that's what you need to do is you need to give people options so that mm. they know that you've got their interests at heart. Totally agree. Uh, like I said, 
I'm very grateful, and you mentioned the, the physical, but the fact that physicals, even cassettes, I was surprised. I mean, I didn't really enjoy cassettes because I hated when they used to wind up. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys ever had cassettes, but they used to like unravel. So, and cassettes are making comebacks, CDs. So I'm very grateful for that. So at least you guys can also make money because for me, buying the CD, it's a, a, an energy exchange to say, thank you so much, guys. You put in so much work in creating the music, creating the songs, the lyrics, the artwork, and all of that. And I hear what you're saying around convenience, but I also feel, and what would like your perception on it, don't you potentially feel that the convenience allows people to sort of wash music aside compared to before it was a journey ah i like that song i need to find which album it's on i need to go to the store or go get it delivered save the money for it open it and experience it where it's now okay mm, i don't really like that song let's fast forward it's become so quick and as you mentioned convenient but does don't you feel that maybe cheapens the experience for the end user i think so yeah i think you're right it's there's a kind of perception out there from a lot of people that anything online or anything that comes out for public consumption should be free. You know, I, I'm not paying for a DVD. I'm not paying for this. You know, I can get it online for free. It, it has totally devalued art to that extent. Um, and I don't think people actually, you know, take seriously enough how much of a role art plays mm. in not only the creative industry, but so many other industries, you know, music or film or TV gets you through the day in some instances. So, it definitely has devalued it, as you say. It was a special thing where you, you got home and you opened it up. And, you know, we remember doing that as well. You get the same in the kind of video game industry now. It's all digital and you miss opening that physical game and maybe getting the map and then you get to look at the map and you had all that. Um, but it is, it, it, you're kind of stuck in this this sphere where people don't really like to commit. They don't like to pay for something. It's There's a lot of free trials. Oh, do, do this for a month and, and yeah. see if you like it. You know, or there's clothes companies now where you can order the clothes. If they don't fit, you send them back and you don't pay a penny. It's, the convenience has overtaken quality in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it, it definitely can risk. You get that risk of music being brushed aside. But I think at the end of the day, the people that are serious enough about it will still enjoy that. Although it's not a physical commitment in a lot of ways, they'll still spend a lot of time and energy listening to your stuff and, um, you know, picking it apart and then ultimately hopefully coming to your show as well. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I would say about it as well, sorry, just to add on to that as well, is I think that um, with us being a, a rock band and being and being in the, the sort of rock scene, fans of rock music are more likely to buy, I would say are more likely to buy your music and listen to a full album than, say, maybe people who listen to R&B or listen to music that's maybe in the charts or things like that, because there's almost like a kind of a sort of like Moorish value to rock music, especially for someone who really is passionate about it. They want everything they can get from it if they find a band they really really like you find so many people that are just mad about this band that band that band Mm. and they've listened to their entire discography so i think yeah the convenience has devalued music in a way but i think that for us being a rock band and being in in this sort of like almost like a sort of uh what's the word i'm looking for here like a kind of sort of like a kind of dirty corner of the music of of, yeah like a niche yeah yeah so sometimes that can work in your favour and the fact that the people who, who are there are really, really passionate about it. And that's something that we have found. It's interesting you say that because uh, rock used to be the mainstream on the charts. And these days, you know, it's, it's amazing how over the years, genres take over the charts. I mean, like the 80s and 90s, you know, it was rock 
um, pop and stuff. And now it seems very much, as you mentioned, RM is specifically in the billboards in the U- uh, in the USA, not necessarily the UK and Europe, but specifically the billboard and the U- USA charts is mainly now hip hop and rap. So, so I find it interesting how the genres like sort of change, like a rock artist or a pop artist who used to have like five number ones off to each other in the USA can't even get into the top hundred now anymore. It's I find it totally weird. Whereas in Europe and the rest of uh, UK and so forth, if you're a mainstay artist and you've continued to stay in the top 10, you'll always be in the top 10. I've been following the music charts and I've got these books, these encyclopedia books of the music charts. I mean, since I was like four years old, <laughs> literally. So yeah, it's interesting how genres come and go. And you, the reason I bring it up is you mentioned rock being a, a dirty corner or niche. Where's the, a couple of decades ago it was the mainstay on the charts yeah yeah I, I, I think a big thing to do with that now is attention span not to disrespect a lot of these artists that, that are in the charts i mean if you're there you deserve it you know you've, you've worked hard enough a lot of that is maybe especially with r&b hip-hop there's a loop you know three minute loop of a drum beat or some chords in the background it's very easy to listen to and you can listen to it for a minute and you've got the gist of the song whereas when it comes to some other genres like the one we're involved in the songs tend to be more more interesting. They move around a lot more. They don't stay in the same place. And I think the attention span needs to be there from the listener mm. to appreciate the work that's been done and the song that's been created. Because speaking personally with our songs, none of them stay in the same place for long enough for you to actually settle. So, you know, you hear a minute and you've only got literally a minute of the song. There's there's two other minutes out there that you've not heard yeah. that you can't ask from hearing what you've heard. So I think... The, the attention span is a big thing, which all comes into what we've talked about with cute things being digital. And that that's just over decades led up to this point now where the, uh, the, the general attention span is very, very short. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and we all that, feel it. I'm sure we all TikTok. feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, boom, boom, done. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because I do I do my posts for Celebs Lines on TikTok, but I can I can be totally honest with you. I cannot stand watching anything on TikTok. I find it so, I'm like, this is, what is this? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm watching. It's like, so weird. Like what comes up anyway. <laughs> Speaking of that, your guys' perception on social media. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got enough time on the interview here. Um, social media is a funny one. Um, it's definitely something that we have a frustration with. I think everyone has a frustration mm. with it though. It's so, it's on the surface, a great thing. Being able, you know, connecting, being able to connect to people, like even what we're doing right now, you're in South Africa and we're, you know, in, in Glasgow and Scotland and being able to have a conversation, like that's incredible, that's amazing. But I think that people feel like they need to only post about their highlights and that, you know, oh, look how great my life is and look how great things are. When that's not reality, that's mm. not what, uh, that's not what any of us experience on a day-to-day life. Like, you know, throughout the day, you have good things that happen and you have things that are not so good and that doesn't get shown. And I think that's why we've got a bit of a, an epidemic of mental health issues because people feel that they need to live up to this this lifestyle that doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, you know, they're maybe following influencers on, on, on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever who show how amazing their life is and, oh, they're driving this great car and they're living in this great house and blah, blah, blah. blah. And... That's it's just not reality and it's not true, um, and I think that 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 really is affecting people. And I think the overstimulation and the over kind of like feeling like you're constantly being judged um, and assessed by your peers is is something that uh, that a lot of people struggle with, and it's something that we we 
uh, wrote about in one of our songs. Um, the first song on the album called Stutter, which uh, was released at the first single, um, is about that. It's about how, you know, when you're at high school and you feel that you're constantly judged and you're constantly trying to fit in and do things and then you feel like you've maybe got out of it and you no longer feel like that being in your, you know, your mid-twenties and then all of a sudden you flick through Instagram for half an hour and you're back in high school and you feel like the wee spotty short kid again. I got, no, no, I got no, very personal uh, there, yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. So, you know, the thing is that pre-doing what I'm doing now, I was never on social media as a personally. I did go into Facebook once, many years ago, for like a day. And all my friends who I knew who were over, living overseas, it was like, this is not the person I knew when they were living down the road from me. It's like, I didn't know you screamed you when you saw a spider on the wall and I don't really care. Now I look at this person on Facebook and now I see, oh, she saw a spider on the wall and she screamed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I stopped yeah. Facebook straight away. Then I was like, oh, really, I'm not interested. <laughs> Terrible for oversharing, isn't it? There's a, there's a hell of a lot on there. Mm. You don't need to know. The, the one for me was when we turned, I don't know, turning 23 or 24 and all the people you were in school with start putting up baby photos and they just get immediately unfollowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for this. I'm not in this stage of my life yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't want to see the baby. It looks like a potato. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> want to see. Bring on more animal videos. If we yeah, I like those. A... Those are cute. <laughs> yeah. Just a social media platform that did specifically and exclusively animal videos. I'd be up for that. Yeah, yeah. uplifting yeah. animal videos. Not... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this game. I'm going to play with each of you. Unfortunately, he's going to give one of you or a couple of you some time because I'm going to go around the room. And I know if I ask you this question in two minutes, two hours, two days, two weeks, I know the answer will be different from each of you each of those times. So it's in this moment of time, I'd like each of you, starting off with Connor, to give me your top five go to songs by other artists. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this, I hate this question because it, it, you're right, it does change. Right, so uh, Give Me Novocaine by Green Day, Hades by Vakovi, um, Midnight Sun by North Atlas, Battery by Metallica, and Cowboys from Hell from, by Pantera. Brilliant. Lawrence, you next. Uh, Throws of Perdition by Pantera. Let me think. Uh, Master Puppets by Metallica. Shout by Shockwave. Uh, not by Shockwave, by Black Tide. Uh, Superheroes by Racer X and In God We Trust by Striper. Lovely. Graham, up next. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for 2112 by Rush. Um, the whole 25 minutes, why not? I'm going to go Wind Up, Foo Fighters, um, When We Were Young, Architects. I'll go with... What will I do? I'll go with Space by Biffy Clyro. And I will do Stutter by Anchor Lane. There we go. Ah. <laughs> nice. So have you guys, any of you been to South Africa before? And if not, your perceptions of the country? Unfortunately not. No, no I've never been. Um, well, my, my perception of the, the country, I'm a big rugby fan. So my, my perception of the country is, is how the, the rugby team is, which is a uh, big, brutal guys. Um, but um, I mean, I, I think that it's it's... It's a country that I'd love to see. Um, I don't really know what my, my perception is of the country because well, I don't really know much uh, about it. My only perception, I don't know if you're aware, over here in Barrett, there was a TV show called Wild at Heart. Oh my God, mind and, that show! Uh, it was phenomenal. It was, it was about an English vet um, who moved to South Africa to start up his own, I don't know it's what like you call wildlife it. Sanctuary. Yeah, his own wildlife sanctuary. Yeah. And he, he, was, he became the veterinarian for, for the area. 
And that for me was my whole, but the, the surname Duplessis came from that. And yes. the next time I saw the surname Duplessis, I went, oh yeah, they must be uh, South African. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's my perception, which to me is a dream because I love everything to do with wildlife and animals. And yeah. I'd love to go to, to get an experience of being in the bush and how it must be to, to live that life. It's, and, you know, you've got tribes, you've got, I mean, it's such an ancient place. You've got so much ancient culture there that would just be very interesting for us modern folk to go and, Mm. Putting it out there that you guys will come and perform in the country. I'll be there cheering you on in the right in the front. And then we'll go for coffee and maybe go for safari after that. How does that sound? <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds absolutely <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, guys, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. The UK, USA, Australia are top three countries. South Africa is actually fourth. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Uh, thank you very much for all the support and yeah. the interest. Hope you've enjoyed hearing us talk absolute shite. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I th- thank you very much for listening. Yeah, exactly that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks Perfect. so much. Yeah, thanks cool. for having us on, Barrett.